Mark Twain famously said, I am an old man and I have known many troubles, most of which never happened. On today's episode, we're going to be looking at worry and what we can do to control it. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode number 78. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. This is a weekly show to help smart people improve their communication and leadership skills. And this week, we're going to be looking at how to control worry. And you might wonder, well, what does that have to do with communication and leadership skills? Well, it has a whole lot to do with it because as leaders, if we're not controlling our worry, we are not going to be good communicators. We're not going to be leading others, and we're certainly not going to lead ourselves very well. And so I have invited in my favorite guest, Bonnie Stahoviak, who's back. Hooray! Hello. I'm glad to be back and glad to be talking about this important topic. I'm glad you are back too, because we have a whole bunch of guests coming in the next few weeks. And so I'm glad I was able to have you back before we have all of our guests coming in. And uh, and are, are you an expert on this topic? I am very good at worrying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm we, excellent at we, it. We both have won, uh, probably have qualified if there was an Olympic event on warring. We both probably have qualified it for at one point or another in the past. And so um, this is something I think a lot of us struggle with. I love the quote that you used. And, and I mean, in all seriousness, I think that worry can certainly be debilitating in people's lives. And I have rarely had it be so for me. But the times when I have, you know, you think about that Mark Twain quote and the worries. Mm. One of the things that came up immediately when we started talking about this was in my mid 20s, I had the opportunity to buy a home. And I was an executive at that time and making good money and single, but it seemed so much like that wasn't supposed to happen. You were supposed to be married before you bought a house. And so I had a lot of worry about that. And so I'm going to use that as an example a few times because it really has come up in lots, as I reflect back on worry in my life, lots of times where I worried about stuff that never happened, but some of the worry was actually good. And that, that I think is going to be our first thing we're going to talk about is to just decide that it's okay to worry. Yeah. And I've found that, you know, worrying is just part of being human. It doesn't matter how good you are at managing your worry of, you know, having your life put together. We all worry. We all run into situations where we run into worry. And I, I found for me, you know, everything, you know, it's certainly things, uh, are different once in a while, but there's at least a day or two every month that I find that I get anxious, worried, depressed about something, either something that's going on personally or professionally. And it kind of all hits. And I know that over the years, you've been great on for me as far as providing perspective for this, but over the years, as I've developed more of an expectation that that's just going to happen and I'm going to have worry happen in my life sometimes, it's a lot easier to manage now. I don't get debilitated by worry nearly as much as I used to. Yeah. And sometimes fear can be a good thing. We just took baby Luke today to the park. I have to stop calling him baby Luke because now he's one year old. And so he's a big boy now and no longer a baby. Yeah. Toddler Luke. <laughs> toddler Luke. So anyway, he, he just now has no fear and just going down the slides. And of course I was not good two times at blocking his head from crashing against the side of the slide that was curved. Wasn't quite ready for it a couple of the times. And so that fear though, we sort of wish he was sometimes a little bit showed some trepidation towards some of the things because we can get hurt. And so in the case yeah. of buying a home, 
I don't think that was debilitating fear. I think that there were some negatives because there was a lot of worry around it that, you know, the things I was worried about happening never did happen. Having said that, it brought up a self-discipline in me to, for example, read every page of the home buying documents. And they kind of looked at me like I was nuts. I am a fast reader, so I won't say we were there for hours and hours, that I was there for hours and hours and hours signing with the woman. But I mean, I read those documents. I made sure that I knew what everyone meant and what I was signing to. And so if our fear helps us to really consider major decisions in our lives very carefully and recognize some of the things that could go wrong, if we were to make a bad decision, or even if we made the right decision, but down the line, I think that it can be healthy. But when it gets in the way of us taking risks that help us toward our dreams, when it gets in the way of our relationships, when we're not sleeping, you know, we're losing sleep and that, that kind of thing, I do think that begins to, you know, be where we should be cautious and think about it. Yeah. And I think one of the things that is challenging for leaders in particular is they see other people in leadership situations or other people that they perceive to be very effective leaders and they don't see the fear a lot of the time or they don't perceive that other people have fear and mm-hmm. worry about things and the reality is we all do but there's the this strange belief that a lot of us have and I've certainly had it too that nobody else has fear or worry and if I do something's wrong with me yeah and uh, you know I've I talk about this a lot I I've worked with a lot of folks in the aerospace industry over the years, and um, I'm actually teaching a class right now uh, in the aerospace world on uh, stress management and worry management. And I teach it a couple of times a year. And so I've been thinking a lot about this. And whenever I'm working with folks in aerospace, one of the things we'll talk about is not the absence of fear and stress, but the control of it, the mastery of it, the mm-hmm. ability to manage it well. And in fact, when um, when you think about it, a lot of them are building airplanes and you an airplane needs stress in the airframe to actually be able to fly effectively. So to have a airplane work well, it's not a absence of stress in the product. It is the control of it. And it is the uh, the process of managing that stress effectively. And really, I think that the same thing for us as as leaders, as people, it's not the absence of stress. It's not the absence of fear. It's not the absence of worry. It's the control over it. I like that. I like that example a lot of the airplane, even though I, I constantly now fly and think, how is this possible? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of fear. <laughs> Speaking of fears, it just doesn't seem like it should all work. Nonetheless, I do think that that you use the word control. I'm not sure that that's the word that resonates with me because quite frankly, we really can't control anything, but it's, it's managing it. It's, it's adapting to it. It's, but the first thing is recognizing that it's there. And I think a lot of people do themselves and the people they lead a disservice by not self-identifying that it's there and recognizing that we, like, I love what you said. We all have it. And when we try to tell ourselves that we don't, we start to lie to ourselves. That's going to make us really ineffective because what I have seen leaders do, Dave, that I work with is then trying to control a lot of things and you you can't control it all. Trying to manifest that fear in themselves to try to control others or outcomes and yeah, and and, we get into danger zone. Yeah. And that is part of the discipline of this, of, you know, talking about control is what do I have control over truly that I can control as far as my attitude Mm -hmm. and my actions and my behaviors. And then what are things that I 
really can't control. And certainly how other people respond, other people's behaviors, how other people react is generally those things that we can't control. We can control our responses to those. So this brings me to the story went back when I was in my mid twenties buying a home. My mom gave me some wonderful advice and it, it really served me well at the time and has been something that came up and it's kind of counterintuitive. And so she talked to me about this buying a house. We talked about what was the worst thing that could happen. Mm-hmm. And to me that just, well, why would you think about the worst thing could happen? It's probably not going to happen. But to me, it took that fear And it put it under a magnifying glass so I could really look at it. So I started to think about, oh gosh, oh, this is, this is it. So what would be the worst thing? And well, I could lose my job and then I wouldn't have the money. And then you couldn't keep paying your mortgage. And it just seems such a magnificent commitment to to commit to paying a mortgage for 30 years. And how did I even know what my life was going to look? It didn't look anything like I thought it was going to look like a year before that, you know, let alone, I mean, income had continued, continued to steadily climb, but still it was a really scary thing. So Mm. I did identify with her being such a good listener to me that the worst thing that I figured would happen, lose the job, then therefore lose the house and ultimately end up living with my parents at the time. That was absolutely the worst thing. And when I realized that was the worst thing, that's what I'm losing sleep over. And just, you know, that gripping fear, that would not be so bad. My parents are great people. And mm-hmm. if that was something that needed to happen for me, you know, going through some kind of a life tragedy or whatever to get back on my feet, suddenly it didn't seem like such a terrible thing to have happen. And then what we can do is to prepare not to have that happen. So if anyone out there is listening and was thinking about buying a house, then well, instead of thinking about living with your parents, which for most of, I mean, now I'm considerably older than my mid twenties, that's not a good scenario for me. It'd be a little awkward if you and Luke and I were all showed up at your parents' front door. Yeah. So a more a more age appropriate response to that would be to have some sort of an emergency fund. Mm. So yes, there is the worst thing that could happen is either one of us or both of us losing our jobs. And so, but then you prepare, okay, if that were to happen, then we'd have some kind of a margin or some kind of a cushion to help us to not have to you know, go through that. And so I think that's, that's really the more mature way of handling these fears. They tell us important information. They're real. Like you said, everyone goes through them. And so we should identify what's the worst thing that can happen. And it turns out this is a very famous way to handle stress. It is a, one of the principles in Dale Carnegie's book as well, how to stop worrying and start living, which I've read many times. And every time I pick up that book, it provides so many practical resources on how to control stress and worry. And then the other uh, book that I read uh, years ago was called Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. And that was really a, I think it's by Susan Jeffers. I'll I'll look it up and put it in the show notes, but it's a great resource for, uh, again, just feeling that fear, knowing that it's there and then deciding to have the courage to move forward in spite of that fear and something you know that is going to be long-term helpful, beneficial to you. I think about you at the house, like the, the, because you did that and were able to have the courage to uh, make a move like that at the time. I mean, it worked out beautifully for you financially and ultimately me when we got married. And it's just a, you know, if that fear had captivated you, you would not have made that decision. Yep. And that did turn out not neither one of us is naive enough to think you can time markets, but boy, if, 
it almost was like I could because I happened to buy and sell at the truly ideal time. Yeah, back then. it yeah. really did work out. And there's a couple of things that work uh, go under this. The what's the worst that can happen? And if you read Dale Carnegie's book, How to Stop Boring and Start Living, there's three steps to this. He'll say, you know, first of all, figure out what's the worst that can happen. Try to be prepared to accept the worst mm -hmm. if the worst does happen and then try to improve upon the worst. And I think the house is a great example of that. But really, you can apply this to anything in life is think about what's the worst that could happen. Be prepared to accept that. Okay, if I had to move out, if I had to sell my home, uh, you know, I'm prepared to accept that and then try to improve upon that. And, you know, you and I have done that over the years now of building up an emergency fund that we've got cash that's sitting there. If God forbid anything ever happened, you know, one of us got sick or uh, work went away that we'd have the margin to be able to handle that situation, at least in the short term, where, you know, we could make changes if we needed to. Another area just where worry becomes unhealthy is where we just kind of start to obsess about it. And it does start to affect our sleep, which by the way, I have to do a quick aside. Absolutely love the how to stop worrying and start living from Dale Carnegie because he has a whole chapter about how to deal with when you're not sleeping. And mm. boy, is it ever just great to have on that nightstand if you are suffering from insomnia. So I, it can though transform from being healthy and normal into something that really is unhealthy. And part of that is just the focus on self. Part of that is, you know, it's all about me and my worry and my life. And one of the quick ways to sort of get out of that is to get outside of our own perspective, outside of our own kind of this analogy of being in, in, in a box, sort of a prison that we've created for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I really relate to this, Bonnie, when I think of you know, my work as a Dale Carnegie instructor over the years, you know, one of the things that happens to a lot of us when we start teaching or training or facilitating, and I had the privilege of starting doing a lot of that with the Dale Carnegie organization. And the first time I got in front of a room, I actually remember it was uh, the first class I started. The um, the the first person that walked into that class, it was, uh, it was the room was empty. I had all the books set up, all the chairs laid out. The first person that walked in in the client location walked in, sat at the very back of the room and just kind of looked really disengaged. And then someone else walked in. It turned out they knew each other. And he also sat at the back of the room and the two of them sat there together. And, uh, and I remember they didn't, they didn't know I could, was in within earshot because I was somewhere else in the room. And I remember the both of them kind of commenting to each other like, oh, you know, but get ready to fall asleep. This is going to be an awful class. And those were the first two clients I'd ever seen in a mm -hmm. classroom. And I walked out of the room. I walked down to the bathroom. <laughs> I walked into the bathroom. And I remember just going to the bathroom and thinking like, and praying like, oh God, just let this class go okay. Because it was the first time I was ever in front of clients by myself. And I walked back in and, you know, it. I really struggled with that first class, but it turned out that they were a lot more nervous than I was. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I got out of my kind of own little box of what this means for me and how challenging this is going to be for me and how, you know, if I don't do this perfectly, it's not going to. And I forgot that they were more nervous than I was coming into that classroom. And when I got past that as an instructor, I got to be such a more effective instructor than I ever was when I was focused on myself. And that's one of the things we have to train a lot of new instructors with is getting out of ourselves, getting out of the box of ourselves. And when we stop worrying about ourselves and start worrying about other people, that's a lot of times when that worry and that fear starts to go away. That's a really healthy thing that helps in terms of anytime someone's presenting or teaching or anytime we're leading. 
which is all of the time. (laughs) Even if it feels like we're following, we're all leading all the time. We're influencing constantly. And what a difference that can be because you see fear. Fear can be something that we see in our own lives, but it can also be kind of become an organizational norm. And so as leaders, we can have the courage to help to calm some of those fears that come up and then just start people spinning into some really unhealthy habits. And it's so easy to get captivated by something that's going on that's wrong. We focus on the two or 3% that's going wrong. And then we forget about the positive things that are going on. And, you know, example of that, just personally, this afternoon, we're recording this on a Sunday this week. And Luke and I went to the park this afternoon and we were having a blast at the park. Uh, Luke was eating great. We had snacks. We were going down the slides. And then all of a sudden, both of us got splinters on this wooden bench that we were crawling around on. And it, I, it really, I, I was, it was in a lot of pain. He was, you know, he was, uh, you know, affected by a little bit. And I started focusing on that, obsessing over that. Oh my gosh, we got to leave right away. I got to fix. And it was like, you know what? After a while, it's like three or four minutes. I finally caught up with myself. Like, you know what? This is not a big deal. This is just a stupid little splinter. And sure enough, we had a fun next hour at the park. And, you know, we figured it out when we got home. But it's so easy just to get caught on those little things in life that get in your way and focus and obsess on that. And I know I'm guilty of doing that almost all the time. I was going to say, we think we have it figured out because we think we got the splinter, <laughs> but it, it still could be in there. But the fact of the matter is, it's not going to do any good to worry about it. I, it's got to keep our eye on it. <laughs> it, it. I would not recommend trying to get a splinter out of a baby. It's not a fun exercise. Yes. Yeah. So the next one we want to think about, yes, we know that worry is normal. We have this three-step process that we can go through and we also can help a lot of our worry by focusing on others. But there's even a little bit more we can do to address challenges proactively. Yeah, and address, addressing challenges proactively means when we know that there's something happening that we have worry about, that we have fear about, of taking action to do something about it. So this is coming back to that question about, okay, do I have control over the situation or don't I? And if I do have control over it, of trying to do something to affect some change. And I think back to situations I've dealt with in the past, Bonnie, in the professional world where I've really had stress or concern about something. Most of the time, it was because I knew something was wrong. And for whatever reason, I chose to do very little about it mm-hmm. or didn't take action immediately as, as quickly as I should. And when I took the action then, uh, a lot of times the situation would resolve itself or at least get you know, at least get controlled a lot more effectively and a lot more quickly. So that's something that I always encourage the people I coach is that when there is something that's uncomfortable, when there's a situation with an employee, with a colleague that's uncomfortable, is to lean into that discomfort and to have those conversations and to be willing to do something about the situation and take some action, at least have some dialogue about it with someone so that we're not getting captivated by this fear and and getting and, and it slows us down and everything when we do that in our mind it just becomes bigger and bigger too and oh um, absolutely the other thing i was i was noticing as we're talking dave there is some worry that manifests itself because of a particular situation so there's the splinter or the buying the house or the conflict with you know the person at work yeah but there is some worry that's just anxiety 
And some of that needs medical attention. So people should be aware that sometimes that's something physiological going on that's going to need some type of medical intervention to make that better in your life. And then sometimes that's just the sense of being overwhelmed. And one of the things in terms of being proactive for me that again comes from my mom, she was just had so much good advice for me growing up that still stays with me all these decades later is to get it all out of our head. And a wonderful mm. book that we'll talk about in future episodes, no doubt, is Getting Things Done by David Allen. You yeah, might see this great. abbreviated in some social media, GTD. And that's just this whole idea that we have to free our minds up to to really be as creative as they can in all the jobs that we do. And one of the ways we do that is to kind of clear out the cobwebs and get it all down, which used to mean writing a list on a piece of paper. But for Dave and I today is having that list electronically. So it goes with us wherever we are and syncs across our various devices. So for me, when I get that feeling of being overwhelmed, I, in fact, I just had it this week where, and you had it last week, <laughs> where we're trading off right now. Of, yep. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Well, I can sort of talk myself into that. And I can calm myself so much down to just, is it all there? Is it all there? If it's not there, you're trying to hold it in your head and it's creating even more anxiety because you haven't processed it yet. And to me, once I got it all down this week, it's on the list. And then, so I didn't go to the park with you and Luke. I said, gosh, if I could just stay here and get some exams written. And I got three exams written while you were gone. And I just... I feel the weight lifted because it's all on the list. It's still mm -hmm. a long list. Let's not kid ourselves. But I was able to make sure that the list represents what was in my head and then check some of those things off. I really did feel a, a big weight lifted. One of the first things I do when coaching clients who are going through overwhelm is let's get it all out of your head. Let's make the list, get it down somewhere so everything's there and then we can start to organize it. And this actually comes right up right into another principle from Dale Carnegie, which is living in date tight compartments is we can't do it all, all at once. Uh, we have to take time where we block out just, okay, today is today. It's Monday. It's Wednesday, whatever day. Here's my situation. Here's many hours I have. And I'm just going to focus on this piece today. And then I'm not going to try and worry about tomorrow and Wednesday and Friday and a year from now. I'm going to focus on this piece I can today. And getting a list down is a great way to do that. And if you read David Allen's book, Getting Things Done, like Bonnie mentioned, uh, one of the things that he'll coach you on is, you know, on your task list, only put down due dates of things that have to happen today. If it really has to happen today and then have a separate list that's, you know, things you're working on that are longer term projects that don't necessarily have to happen today. And I've, as I've become more disciplined on doing that, Bonnie, it's really helped me to be able to not get that feeling of overwhelm where the list keeps getting longer and longer and longer every day. One of the things that's come up a lot with the young people I work with and mentor, I work with 18 to 22 year olds I teach at the university. And so a lot of them, when I've shared this before, who tend to be more on the Myers-Briggs, more of the perceiving preference and who kind of more spontaneous in the moment, that type of thing is they say, oh no, 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 I can't do that list because that stresses me out more. So I just, they, they're living in day tight compartments in an unhealthy way, which is allowing themselves to constantly be in firefighting mode. And some of them, the ones who really have, are just really bright and really can, you know, crank out that however many page paper at the last minute, first of all, they're creating for themselves a lot of anxiety that they just live with constantly. Mm -hmm. That, 
And, and then they never learn self-mastery, self-discipline, self and other leadership to be able to manage more complex projects when they get out into the business world. And they really are doing themselves a disservice because even if you are more spontaneous, you're more in the moment, you bring some wonderful qualities to a team that you lead. And at the same time, you have to be able to adapt and switch. If you, if you're holding yourself back otherwise from a leader, your leadership potential to not be able to see Yes, what's going to fall beyond tomorrow, because these things are going to take months, years to accomplish. But then once I've got that big picture focus, we know what's on the horizon, what is to come. Then I just focus on today. There's a wonderful verse from the Bible that talks about for, you know, let's just think about today because tomorrow has enough worry of its own. Mm. So living in daytight compartments means that I, it doesn't mean that I'm, that I don't even think that any, oh, well, we'll just whatever I can get done today, it's not going to matter. We do, we do have to have the, both the long-term and the today perspective to be able to manage worry well. And then I see uh, folks 10 to 15 years into their career and those who haven't mastered this, like you've mentioned in their college days or, or earlier in their education, then are as they're managing teams, either they're held back from those leadership roles because they don't have that ability to really manage that or think strategically and and have that self-regulation, or if they are in a leadership role, they're driving themselves nuts and they're driving the people around them nuts mm-hmm. because they don't have that op- they don't have that chance to really think in a structured, processed way. And and then the other thing I'd also challenge all of us to look at is sometimes also getting ourselves away from the you know the stress and the worry and the workload too, because um, you know for example, Bonnie, one of the things we often will do on the weekends, we did it this weekend is take 24 hours and get off the internet entirely. Yes. You know, get off email, get off all the things, you know, cuz so much of our lives become on the internet and even on the weekends we can end up checking email. And so we'll spend 24 hours and just get off the internet and that's another way just to control stress and worry is getting away from doing work. And that helps us to rest and relax and if we can make time for that, ooh, man, my worry level and my stress level always go down goes down when we take that time to do that. Yeah, and that part of doing that, Dave, I loved your episode with Heather last week, which talked about personal personal mission and vision. Yeah. So part of that time helps us reflect. And there's all these parables that talk about, you know, the importance of planting seeds and the importance of fertilizing. You know, there, I think there's a reason why those still live on and resonate with so many people. My family comes from a family of agriculture and just how important that is, even with the crops, you know, you had to rotate the crops out because you can't just keep, you know, taking the soil and expecting it to continue to have various fruits or vegetables flourish. You have to give it a break too. And I think that we need to be able to do that for ourselves as well. So whether you take the Mark Twain quote and think about, you know, what are the things that you're stressing over that maybe uh, aren't worth that worry, or maybe it's living in daytime compartments or thinking about what's the worst that can happen. What I challenge you to do is take one thing from our conversation today. Think about something that's causing you stress and worry right now and apply one of these principles. And if you can, I think that you'll find that you'll be able to uh, not eliminate stress, not eliminate worry, not eliminate fear, but have the mastery over it. And one of the things that I always uh, talk with clients about, Bonnie, is that um, everyone wants confidence. We all want confidence in everything we do, our communication, our leadership skills. But before confidence comes courage. And so if we can have the courage to take the step, 
in the midst of the fear, in spite of the fear, and we do that many times, ultimately that leads to confidence in the long run. But we can't get to confidence without having courage first. And so I think that that will, uh, I think that's going to wrap up our conversation on this. So please feel free to drop us a line. If you have questions, comments, or feedback, or maybe there's something you're stressed about and you just want to bounce an idea off us. Hey, we would love to hear about it. You can go to coachingforleaders.com forward slash 78. That'll take you to the notes for this episode. You can also call in feedback uh, to me anytime. The feedback hotline is 949-38-LEARN. Or, of course, our email is feedback at coachingforleaders.com. So, uh, Bonnie, thanks for coming in today. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I thought I was waiting for the theme music to start, and I was well, getting ready to do my my groove. You were, you were going to dance. <laughs> I was. This is not a video podcast. It is a shame so. that it's not. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, hey, before we let everyone go, I do want to say a special thank you to Teresa Kent, Aaron Daniel Anas, and Risto Mananen. Thank you so much for hopping on to either Facebook or Google Plus this week to uh, stay connected with the show. There's always lots of conversation and feedback and ideas going on on Facebook and Google Plus. The best way to get there is go to coachingforleaders.com forward slash plus or coachingforleaders.com forward slash Facebook. And that will take you to either of those places. And if you connect up with me, I'd love to stay in touch with you during the week. Hey, if you'd like a midweek booster shot, some ideas to help you to improve your communication and leadership skills, be sure to subscribe to my weekly articles. You can do that by going to coachingforleaders.com forward slash subscribe. And you will get those. You also get the announcements about the first upcoming webinar, which is coming up soon. Hey, have a great week, everyone. We've got some great guests in the next few weeks. Look forward to talking with you. Take care.